Today, from the International Gospel Hour, we consider the question, How could a loving God condemn anyone to hell? Yes, friends, that question is a loaded question to many, but yet a loving one for everybody. Let's biblically answer today on the International Gospel Hour. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Jay Webb for International Gospel Hour. For almost 90 years, Churches of Christ have proclaimed God's Word through International Gospel Hour. You are about to listen to another Bible-based lesson with Jeff Archie of International Gospel Hour, starting now. I am bound for the promised land. Thank you to our J-Web and greetings to all of you. We are always appreciative of our listeners from the International Gospel Hour. We are indebted to you that you have chosen to tune into our broadcast wherever you may be listening to us and whatever mode you are using to tune in to our broadcast. It is our plea that we study the Word of God together, that we may look upon it, study it, and change our lives as we need to, to come out of man-made thinking and turn more to God's pleas from the Word of God, and to study the Word of God and to know those things for our lives. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable according to the words of Paul penned in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. Therefore, we hope today's study will be profitable for you, dear friends. Now, we have noticed in previous studies an approach in the life of Jesus Christ. For example, have you ever noticed that on many occasions... Jesus answered a question with a question. One of many is from Matthew 21, verses 23 through 27, which reads, Now when he came into the temple, the chief priest and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things, and who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which, if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. Now, friends, when you parallel Mark eleven twenty-seven through 33 same account, it mentions the scribes along with the chief priests and elders mentioned in Matthew's account. When you parallel the account from Luke 20, verses 1 through 8, it mentions Jesus was teaching people in the temple and preaching the gospel. So he came into the temple. There's an indication that Jesus could have been teaching with people walking with him or maybe to stop in as he came into the temple and was teaching and instructing. The chief priest and the elders confronting him along with the scribes, what is amazing is Jesus knew the question to ask them. Do you really think that they were interested in what Jesus had to say? 
Do you think these scribes, who would have been writers of the law, the chief priests, the elders, those with religious background, those that knew the law supposedly, do you think they came to Jesus to try to understand? Well, no, the Bible says how they confronted him as he was teaching. And so as they came to Jesus confronting him, Jesus knew they were not looking for an answer. He knew that they were looking for something, as they did on many occasions, to try to trap him or to try to back him into a corner. Well, dear friends, we want to use the approach as we begin that Jesus used. We want to answer a question with a question. Our vital question to consider for this broadcast, How could a loving God condemn anyone to hell? So might we bring forth the following questions? Number one, how could a person turn down what the loving God has provided? The question uses the statement, the phrase, loving God. So how could a person turn down what the loving God has provided? In the question, you have admitted, or one has admitted, that God is a God of love. Okay, why would you turn down? Why would anyone turn down what the loving God provides? May I ask a second question? How could a person make the choice of hell over a loving God? If we stand there as my late Daddy, my father would say, with walking around sense. And if we stood there and looked at the choice of hell and its torments, or heaven and its glory, anybody would want to pursue a life of heaven. Regardless of how someone has lived, every obituary has somebody going to heaven, it seems like. How could a person make the choice of hell over a loving God. May I ask another question, or actually two or three within this one. What do you think of Jesus Christ? Is He the Savior of the world? Do you find Him good and truthful? In Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And dear friends, would you agree that the thoughts of a loving God and hell come from the Bible? Well, friends, if we're going to bring forth a question or a question is brought forth, then in turn let us bring forth these questions for your consideration. So we're going to further our study from the Word of God. How could a loving God condemn anyone to hell? Well, friends, as we will study together, it is more about the choice of man than the compassion of God. And with our Bible as our source for our answer, we will consider three different contexts of scriptures today in addressing this question, how could a loving God condemn anyone to hell? We fully trust God's Word, the Bible. There are a lot of things going awry in this world, but dear friends, the Bible will remain standing. Here is a very special track booklet that we'd like to send you. It's free, and our J-Web has the details of how you can receive this booklet. Good folks, please allow us to send a special free booklet called Something is Wrong, But the Bible is Right. 
This is a study that clears away a lot of the confusion in the religious world and allows us to see that the Bible is always right. Just call toll-free at 1-855-IGH-6988 and leave your name, address, and just say, Bible Tract. That's it. You may also go to our website at internationalgospelhour.com, click on the Contact tab, and leave us the same information, name, address, and type Bible Tract in the message box. Now, back to our study. Our first context will be taken from Romans 11:22-23. The Bible says, Therefore consider the goodness and severity of God. On those who fail severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness, otherwise you also will be cut off. And they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. Now, dear friends, did you notice, as the scripture began, consider the goodness and the severity of God. Now, we also find it is more about the choice of man than the compassion of God on those who fail severity, but toward you goodness if you continue in his goodness. And those that will not continue in unbelief, God will, if you will, the terminology here, graft them in or add them into the gospel. Think about some other text, if you will. We go back to the Old Testament, to Exodus 34, verses 6 and 7. And the Lord passed before him and and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty." visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Notice, dear friends, God's mercy, His grace, long-suffering, everything possible for man to turn to Him. But God is not going to clear the guilty. But the guilty can make a better choice. In Revelation 21, beginning with verse 22, John writes, But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun nor of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day, there shall be no night there." and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Now listen to verse 27. But there shall by no means enter in it, or enter it anything, that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Friends, may I ask you a question? Who determines whether our names are written in the Lamb's book of life? May I suggest to you that we do. Dear friends, we cannot doubt the love of God and all that He bestows. But is it not evident that the response of man does not diminish God's love, but does determine His response towards sin? 
the very sin that caused his son, that he placed upon his son on the cross for you and for me. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. Now let's consider another section of text from 2 Peter 3, 7 through 9. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Well, dear friends, wherever you may be, if you are listening to this, you're in your car, you're outside, you're near a window, look up. Well, can we see the heavens? Well, look around. Are we on the earth? I came across this quote that I thought was beautiful that says, Such long-suffering excludes all impatience of expectance and desire of making haste. I'll give you that one again. Such long-suffering of God excludes all impatience of expectance and desire of making haste. The tremendous power within God Almighty and His long-suffering toward men. You know, that's a great word that's actually on our side. And you notice all should come to repentance. The beauty of repentance, a clear emphasis in our Lord's teachings, is a beautiful word that seems to turn it all. A person that believes in Christ is going to make that change and turn toward Him. Matthew 4 and verse 17, our Lord Jesus Christ preached the gospel and repentance. In Luke 13, verses 3 through 5, He commanded men to repent. In Acts 2 and verse 38, when they asked the question in verse 37, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter and the apostles replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins. In Acts 3 and verse 19, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, when the times of the refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Paul, in Acts 17, verses 30 and 31, stood upon Mars Hill, acknowledging the one that they called the unknown God, and in turn, Paul proclaimed the universal Almighty God, not the unknown God. And he even said there in verses 30 and 31, that the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commands men everywhere to repent. In other words, they could not continue to follow after every kind of thing that would be said or done, seeking out some new thing, They could not continue to follow after their false idols. They needed to repent, to turn, and to come unto God. Now, friends, may I ask you a question? Who makes the decision to change? You and I do. You see, God's love is expressed with His perseverance with people. He suffers long. He bears with us. And, dear friends, we cannot doubt His love. But who made the choice to become ungodly? Who made the decision to turn away from what the loving God provides? We do. Once again, dear friends, it is evident that the response of man does not diminish God's love. 
but it does determine God's response toward man's sin. Again, may we mention sin that cost his son's life. God so loved the world that he gave his son. Dear friends, maybe we've come to a point in this study that you are thinking about, I need to look at this a little more. We love to help people in their Bible studies, as we say, Bible study in between broadcasts. And our friends at the World Bible School offer a wonderful online course. It's free. Here's our J. Webb to go into a little bit more details about it, and I'll be back, oh, in around 30 seconds. Our friends at World Bible School have a wonderful online Bible study available, and it is free. That's right, it's free. Please visit worldbibleschool.org and register. You will be provided a study helper who can answer questions and provide feedback for your lessons. Please sign up today. That's the free online study at worldbibleschool.org. And now, friends, consider with me a wonderful text about the love of God, 1 John 4, verses 8 through 10. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us, and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Again, that's 1 John 4, verses 8 through 10. So, dear friends, love is of God from the outset. Responding to the love of God is our choice. And John, the apostle of love, deals with it over and over. He presents the beautiful God of love and how God is love, That is a proper definition of God. But he also deals with our response to his love over and over. God's love teaches us the proper and complete definition of love. Once again, God is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us. A few moments ago I mentioned John 3 and verse 16, and once again I will bring that to our thoughts that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world, and He expressed that love in sending the only gift, the only sacrifice that could redeem us, the blood of Jesus Christ. God's love teaches us to grow in knowing Him. Again, 2 Timothy 3.16, I mentioned as we began, Let's return to that text, that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect or complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. When I take the Bible, I can know the mind of God, and God lets me know what I need to know. God's love was manifested. You notice that word used in 1 John 4 in verse 9 that I read moments ago. God's love was manifested, meaning it was stamped or approved and proven, opened to everybody. 
Whenever I see that word manifested, I think of the shorter word manifest, and I remember my days, and if you've heard broadcast of mine previously, in my days when I worked for a national food company, our truck drivers, when they would deliver, would have an individual at the account that they would deliver to sign what we called the manifest. It was the absolute proof that the product was delivered. In other words, that store gave their stamp, they gave their approval and said, yes, we will take the product, and yes, the product is in our stores. If there were any question, we'd go to the manifest. That's the meaning here. God's love was manifested, stamped, approved, open to all. I mean, when God sent His Son to die for us, there is the proof of His great love. Now, here's another word from verse 10. God's love was the only way the propitiation, I'm sorry, the propitiation or the appeasement. In other words, this was to be a clean sacrifice. The word propitiation is also defined as the removal of wrath. God's wrath towards sin, when he sent Jesus to die for the sins of man, that is what was needed, the very best, the clean sacrifice. In Romans 3, beginning with verse 24, Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by His blood through faith to demonstrate His righteousness, because in His forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed, to demonstrate at the present time His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Did you see the phrase, set forth as a propitiation? He set Christ forth as the clean sacrifice. And twice we find that that demonstrates His love, His righteousness, and His care. You see, friends, God's love is manifested. It's stamped. It's approved and proven for everyone to be saved. Notice that we might live. Again, friends, it's our choice. What about those that choose not to accept God's love. We go back to John 3 and verse 16, but let's read a little further. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes in Him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Did you catch that? Because he has not believed. Once again, friends, it is evident that the response of man does not diminish God's love, but does determine his response toward sin, the sin, the transgression that cost his Son. Back in about... 30 seconds. The quickest way to reach us is our toll-free number, 1-855-IGH-6988. You can request free Bible study courses, ask a question, or make a comment. Let us know where you hear our broadcast. The number is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. 
That number again is 1-855-IGH-6988. Or if you prefer, 1-855-444-6988. Dear friends, how could a loving God condemn anyone to hell? Here's our answer. Because the anyone did not acknowledge the loving God and respond in obedience to Him. Again, friends, know that the loving God has done all possible to save mankind. In 1 Timothy 2 and verse 4, we are reminded who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And in Ezekiel 18 verse 23, Do I have any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, says the Lord God, and not that he should turn from his ways and live? In Ezekiel 18.32, For I have no pleasure in the death of one who dies, says the Lord God. Therefore turn and live. God has no pleasure in those that die, turning down His offer of eternal life. May I submit that we should turn and live as we have opportunity. To move upon our faith that God commands in Hebrews 11 and verse 6 and to move on our faith as we repent of our sins, as we noted earlier, taught by our Lord, and commanded in Luke 13 and verse 3, and preached in Acts 2 and verse 38, to confess our faith in Christ. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, Romans 10.10. To confess that faith, and then to be baptized into Christ, for our sins to be washed away, Acts 22, verse 16. We put on Christ in baptism, Galatians 3:27. We are added to His church, in Acts 2, verse 47. Dear friends, let us pursue the wonderful commands of a loving God, and let us acknowledge His love and respond to His will in obedience to Him. If we can be of further help in your studies and seeking this, let us know. We will continue our studies together another time. Thanks for joining me today on the International Gospel Hour broadcast. I'm Jeff Archie and friends, keep listening. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. To God goes all the glory. And we hope that our study today will draw you closer to His Word to walk in His way. To listen to it again or other broadcasts, please visit our website at internationalgospelhour.com. God be with you.